We are in a series that we are calling Thrive. This is week number two. Just turn to your neighbor as we jump in. Just tell them it's time to thrive. Come on, it is time to thrive. We as believers, think about this for a second. Why is it that we only celebrate the resurrection one day a year? Have you ever thought about that? The cross, the emblem of our salvation, that Jesus went on behalf of us, died the death that we deserve. Why do we only celebrate the resurrection just on Easter? He didn't just die for you. He rose three days later. It says in Romans that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, if you are a believer in Jesus, it lives in you. The power of the resurrection. I love what one of my professors used to tell us when we were studying at Indiana Westland. She said, before you start a service, you need to acknowledge the presence of the resurrected Christ in the room. The resurrection is what we're talking about today. Baptism Sunday is a direct representation of the gospel, the death and the resurrection of our Lord. And we know that because Christ rose, you know that old hymn that says, because my Redeemer lives, I can face tomorrow. That Jesus did not just die for us to go from bummer to bummer. He died for us to go from glory to glory. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, come on, the greatest force in the entire universe is a lion inside of you. We're going to celebrate that today, but we have to unpack this idea of what it means to go from surviving. Hey, can I just tell you, I've got two kids. I've got a, a newborn and a toddler, so pray for me. You want to talk about surviving? Some days you're going to Chick-fil-A twice a week, okay? And some days, Jackson, I see you looking at me, my accountability partner back there, okay? But let's just be honest. Some days we're just trying to survive, and there's grace for that. The Lord sees you this morning. I'm not asking you to become some superstar that's undefeated, never lost, big baller brand, right? I'm just talking. The Lord wants to also not just help you see that he forgave you. He died to free you, to live in freedom, to walk in freedom, to walk in purpose, to walk in your anointing. I think so many believers today have not yet unlocked the God-given gifts and anointing on their life. And you thought that baptism and salvation was just the finish line when it's really just the starting point of your walk with Jesus. So I want to unpack this word this morning that I believe God called specifically for this morning. Matthew chapter 13, 1 through 9. What does it look like to thrive? This is how it starts. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and he sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him as he got into a boat and he sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was, somebody say shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Others fell on thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop 160, 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. We live in a culture of instant gratification. I see the TV's wigging out back here. <laughs> I love it. Anyone ever seen this commercial? Now, let me ask you this question. Is it going to be more distracting to have the TV on, wigged out, or should I just turn it off? Raise your hands. Who says, oh, this is going to be way too distracting for me, Andy? Okay, just making sure you're with me. It's my money and I need it now. You ever seen this commercial? JG Wentworth, say it with me, 877 cash now. Okay. We live in a culture of instant gratification. It's my money and I need it now. Thanksgiving's right around the corner I don't know about you, maybe your Thanksgiving dinner is going to look something like this. Hopefully not. We, we got like an Instagram filter on this TV for the rest of it. Canva filter. It's like this retro. That's how we're going to see this morning. All about perspective, right? But can I just be honest with you all? As I read this parable that Jesus illustrates, in America, we want microwavable Christianity. I want to go to a service, and I want it to take 30 minutes to teach me how to pray 
and walk with Jesus so I can leave and go back to my life. We want to add Jesus to our life, sprinkle it in, but not make him the centerpiece of our life. We want microwavable Christianity. This is what we would call cultural Christianity, where Jesus is more of a celebrity and add-on to our life, not our Lord and Savior. Or as one of the early church fathers said, we want vampire Christianity, where we want Jesus for his blood, but not for his life. If I could just have that side of the gospel that says, well, the blood of Jesus atoned for me, then that's good enough for me. I mean, I got my ticket to heaven when Jesus said, no, 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 I didn't just come to die to forgive you. I died so that you could follow me, to take up your cross, deny yourself, then you will be my disciple. See, in the very early beginning of time when Jesus is telling these parables, they called the earliest believers the way. That meant that they had to follow in a narrow path that they were set apart from what the rest of the world looked like. Microwavable Christianity is kind of the culture that we live in in so many parts of America today. I want to show another picture on the screen. You're going to ask, how in the world does this have anything to do with what you're talking about, Andy? First off, this is my favorite player of all time. So let's just get that out of the way. Somebody give it up for Reggie Miller in the house. Is Reggie here? Is he watching online? I don't know. Maybe he will one day. Love my friends at the Pacers organization. Got to meet so many of them lately. And I want to just pause on this picture. First off, Reggie's from Cali. So shout out to all my Cali fam that has come to Indiana. Let's go. UCLA one time. But Reggie, he stayed with the same team for 18 years. He actually had an opportunity later after he retired in 2007. The Celtics, the big three came along, Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and they wanted him to come out of retirement. He said, no, no, it just wouldn't feel right because there was this loyalty. There was this, somebody said the word longevity. Have we lost the belief in the culture of longevity and loyalty as believers today? We want microwavable Christianity. We want Starbucks Christianity. We want McDonald's Christianity. Just tell it to me in a sermon, Andy. No, 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 let's just shorten even more. Tell it to me in a reel. If I can just get it in an Instagram reel, I don't have to go to church. Just let, give it to me in seven seconds. Can I tell you, you will not have deep roots with Jesus in seven seconds. Now, now I'm not shaming Instagram reels. We post those. We want to reach the loss. We want to boost your spirit. We want to encourage you. But can I tell you, you cannot replace the longevity of the years in the secret place. Come on, the times with Jesus where you are shedding tears where nobody sees, where, where, where you got betrayed and you said, Jesus, I'm still going to follow you. It's that moment in John chapter 6 where a lot of the disciples leave Jesus and then Jesus looks to Peter and the rest of them and says, well, do you, do you plan to leave too? I'm talking years longevity in the secret place where Jesus is not just Savior, but he is Lord. Come on, it's the moments where the Lord closed the door where you thought he was going to open it and all your dreams were going to come true and that door shuts. And then you're faced with, do I follow God just for what he can do for me? Or do I follow him because he is my Lord and Savior? Those are the moments where I'm talking about. And so this is the title of the message today, Thriving Where You're Planted. See, many times we're praying for a change in our situation or our location, and God wants a change in your formation. I don't think that you got that in that moment. Let me just say that again. So many times we're praying for our circumstances to change outside of us, and God wants something to change inside of you. Now, now hear me right. There are moments and times in your life where God calls you to leave a church. Can I tell you, I was a youth pastor. God called me to leave Trinity Church to plant this one. So there are moments where God calls you to leave. You have to be obedient to that. There are moments where God calls you to leave a job. There's moments where God calls you to leave a friendship. Yes and amen. You have to follow the leadings and the promptings of the Holy Spirit. But I want to ask someone this morning who's thinking about throwing in the towel on your marriage, who, who, who is saying, if one more of these things happen in my experience with Christianity, I'm out. Or if, if this happens at my job one more time and you know God called you there, you're going to go look to apply somewhere else. Maybe it's a situation this morning. Maybe it's not for everyone. For someone to say, what does it look like to thrive where you're planted? Where God is saying, the grass is not greener on the other side. Thriving where you're planted. 
Here's the acronym I want to unpack with you all this morning. An acronym that I felt was straight from the Lord to stay. To stay in that marriage. To stay at that job. To stay in the weeds parenting those kids. I know you want to pull your hair out. Hey, I've got a toddler and a newborn, okay? I'm right there with you. I love my girls to death. There's moments and times where you're like, Lord, the grass must be greener on the other side. If I just had a different job, if I was just at a different church, if I was just in a different friend group, and then you realize that the brokenness is everywhere. And sometimes the problem is not them. What if it's in here? So here's the acronym for today. Somebody say, so? Got my retro feed going here. Somebody say, time? Abide and yield. If you're taking notes, these are the four points I want to walk you through. Number one is so. Romans 14, 10 through 12, Paul says this. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow. Come on, every tongue will confess that Christ is Lord. Even the richest, Andy? Yes. Even those that say Jesus is fake and phony and is just a religion, yes, they will bow a knee. They will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And this is what I tell people all the time. I'm not a hellfire and brimstone preacher, but can I tell you this? Since we're all going to bow a knee one day, it's a lot better to bow a knee here than it is there. I promise you. You don't want to wait to bow a knee to Jesus when he returns. That won't be good. There will be judgment. There will be accountability. There will be justice. Now, we don't follow God out of this earthly fear just because he'll judge us. He's not just judge, but somebody said he's father. See, see, some of us grew up in religion. You, you grew up in a church where it's just like, well, if I sin, oh my gosh, I might be smited by God, so I get baptized. And you've been following God out of just an earthly fear. When God said, I don't just want to be your judge, I want to be your father and your friend. This is what we call, we don't live under the law anymore. We live by grace through faith. No, I'm, I follow Jesus not out of obligation, but out of opportunity because I'm, somebody say, spirit-led. So many times Paul comes back to in his epistles, walking with the spirit, being in step with the spirit, being led by the spirit. And it's not because they're some cool Pentecostal church. It's because you cannot follow Jesus unless you know how to hear his voice. You could be a believer you could say, well, I believe in the gospel, but you can't follow Jesus unless you know how to hear his voice, how to apply the scriptures and walk in step with the spirit to not just say truth, but to know exactly how to say it, when to say it. Well, Andy, I apologize to them, but did you walk in step with the spirit to say it in a certain tone that they could receive it in? So we'll all stand before God one day, and here's what you have to know is we're going to stand accountable for what we did with the time, talent, and treasure that he entrusted to us. Now, for some of us, that's an exciting thought. You're walking with Jesus. You've been faithful. For some of us, that's a sobering thought, that you've been throwing away gifts that God gave you. You've been throwing away time. You're wasting time right now, and you already feel the conviction of the Lord this morning. Matthew 13, 3, then he told them many things in parables saying a farmer went out to sow his seed. Now, I want to highlight this word, his, for a second. It's my money, and I need it now. 877 cash now. But we need to move this morning from I permanently own these things to I temporarily steward these things. Every good thing in your life right now, your kids, your job, your house, your food on your table, can I just encourage you? It's not because of you. It's because of him. Now, in America, that, that's not popular because we are self-made. We climb the ladder. We put food on the table ourselves. But James says every good and perfect gift comes from where? The Father. You're not lucky. You're blessed. We don't believe in luck as believers. We believe in blessing and the grace and the mercy of God. Can I just tell you, I don't deserve to be up on this stage. All the crazy things I've done in my past... The sexual sin I've been in, the pornography I've looked at, the relationships that I've been in, the drinking that I've gone too far over the line, the, the drugs that I've used, I do not deserve to be up on this stage. But it's not luck, it's by, somebody say grace. It's the grace of God. It's the favor of God. Favor is unmerited, it's grace is unmerited favor to your life that you didn't deserve. But we steward these things. 
What if we begin to see everything in our life, our kids, our time, our talent, our treasure, not just as something that we use for fun and that we get to spend on all of our pleasures. No, God wants you to have fun. He's a good father. It's okay to have fun. Can I tell you that? It's okay. It's more than okay. Your father invented joy. Think about that. He wants you to have joy. Some of us grew up under religion where we, we can't go to the bowling alley. We can't go anywhere or do anything or wear this type of skirt or, or, or anything. And yes, there's, there's wisdom and discernment and, and certain aspects of what you do and what you don't do. But the Lord wants you to still have joy. But we need to move for a second. You know, I was at 12 Stone this past week. And 12 Stone is one of our partner churches in Atlanta, Georgia. They started out, they called themselves the Heinz 57 Church. They started, their, their lead pastor was the same age as me when they started the church down in Georgia. They have around eight, nine campuses, but for a while they had 57 people. They called them, themselves the Heinz 57 Church for five, six years. And they ended up actually almost going bankrupt. There's this crazy story, and the lead pastor went to his accountability at the time his advisor and he said I'm, I'm about to throw in the towel he was at his breaking point and his advisor actually our general superintendent of the Westland Church Wayne Schmidt Kevin Myers looked at him and he said I, I don't I don't have the faith to, to continue to move on for this and Wayne Schmidt looked him in the eyes and he said borrow some of mine I'm at 12 Stone this week, and they are now 35 years into this. They went from 57 people to 20,000. Eight, nine campuses, they're all around the Atlanta suburbs. And I share this story because when I'm at 12 Stone, one thing I love about them is, is they're not focused on the fame. They're not focused on a platform. They're not focused on, oh, we want to be the next X, Y, and Z. One of the things they, they say uh, at their staff that they've told me is, they're one of the biggest churches that nobody's ever heard about. I love that because the leadership, when they first started the church, they were in it for the right reasons. They were in it for people, not a platform. And I, I, I listen to them. I, I talk with them. Their staff trains us. They, they helped plant our church, and they sowed in finances. They sow in leadership and resources and, and all these amazing support systems along the way. But the one word that I, I left from the trip with, and this happens almost every time I go, I've been there about six, seven times, is this word longevity. It didn't happen overnight. You with me? They didn't just have some big blow up and all of this, and, and I leave, and, and I'm, I'm encouraged, and then sometimes I leave discouraged. Why? Don't compare your seed to someone else's tree. He gave you a seed. 35 years later, it's an oak of righteousness. Comparison is the thief of your joy. Do you know that? How many times have you ever felt blessed by God? You open up Instagram, you start going through the reels, and all that excitement leaves in two seconds. You see someone else with, they're a couple steps ahead of you, climbing the ladder. Maybe you just posted a picture of your living room. You were so excited to, to host and be hospitable to the people of God, even to strangers and people to witness to. And then you see someone else's living room, you're like, oh my gosh, like I'll never be like them. Can I encourage you though? Romans says that we're going to stand and give an account of what we did. You won't stand and give an account for someone else's life. You're going to stand before your heavenly father and say, what did I do with my time, talent, and treasure? I, I think so many times we compare ourselves to someone else's highlight reel and we get so caught up in the reels, you know, double entendre, you're using the reels like a fishing pole. You get so deep in that See, it's like a black hole. Has anyone been there? Am I the only one? Okay, I'm the only one. Okay, cool. But comparison will, will tell you to bury what God called you to plant. Comparison is that little thought that goes into your mind. I remember this before planting the church. Andy, so many else are doing it. Do you realize how many churches are in Westfield? I mean, Andy, so many hip-hop artists have already put out something so similar to that. Why would you put that out? Comparison will tell you to hide what God called you to release. What if there's a book inside of you that you're so afraid to write because you don't think it's going to compare to every one of other your peers? Did God call you to live in that yoke of slavery or did he call you to release it? 
Comparison is the thief of joy. Look at what Matthew 25, 25 says, the parable of the talents. It says, well, I was afraid this man who had the one talent, he was afraid and he hid the gold in the ground. And so he comes back with what God gave him. He didn't multiply it. He didn't actually put it to work. He didn't sow it. He buried it. But the root of comparison is not comparison, it's fear. What if I don't become as successful as them? What if I'm not as gifted as them? What if I'm not making a big, as big of an impact as them? What if not enough people show up to my small group? Andy, I, I want to start a circle, but I'm just afraid nobody's going to come. Can I encourage you this morning? Did God call you to fruitfulness or faithfulness first? Which one? It's always faithfulness. We have to redefine what success is in the kingdom. It's not results, it's obedience. It's saying yes when no one else comes. It's saying yes when there's three likes on the Instagram post. You thought it was going to reach the millions and there's three people. Guess what? God has always been, somebody say, for the one. If it changed one life, it was just as valuable. Because God cares about the one. Did God call you to start a business, a small group, launch a church, launch a campus? I don't know who I'm talking to. Go be a missionary for the one. But we want the results. We want the microwavable Christianity. We want it overnight when God said, this isn't a sprint. This is a marathon. We're not talking just a few days. Anyone can just get excited about Jesus for a few days. This is what we see at Christian camps. Hey, no shame to camps, okay? I take kids to camps. I love it. People have incredible transformations at camp. But then we come around the same next year, we confess the same sin and the same breakups. And the same generational strongholds. When God said, no, 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 this is just step one. I want you to mature. I want you to keep going. I have so much more for you than just your baptism. I have a race for you to run. But the root of comparison is fear. I wonder how much comparison is keeping someone back this morning. I want to show a picture of my family for a second. Check out that Instagram filter right there. Okay. Someone's going to watch this YouTube message later, and they'll be like, what is he talking about? What a selfish, stuck up. Okay, sorry. But this is my family, and, and I show this picture because when I do weddings, it's one of my favorite things to do as a pastor because God planted this truth in me a long time ago. You know, I, I want to be unique. Can I be honest with you? You want me to fake it up here? I, I, I want to be set apart. I want to do things that no one else has done before. Like, who doesn't want to be set apart and unique and all those things? And God has convicted me so many times, and he's told me in my quiet time, Andy, there will always be another church planter. There will always be another NBA chaplain. There will always be another artist that dresses similar as you, makes music kind of like you. You know, there's others that will go before you, and there's others that are coming up behind you. But you know the one place where you are irreplaceable? Your home. There will always be one of you in your home. Let that be your story. There will always be someone else that's just as talented as you or if not more talented than you. You're climbing the ladder. You want to be successful. God will use that. I mean, he wants that, that ambition to go into calling. He wants your heart to be pure, clean hands. But God will work it out. He'll work out your salvation as you're going. But the one place you are irreplaceable is right here. Don't get that twisted. I wonder how many men are in the room right now where your career has trumped your family. And your family doesn't get your first fruits, they get your last fruits. Can I tell you, I've been convicted of that. I had to rearrange my schedule. The Lord said, Andy, you're doing this backwards. And so I had to change my calendar. I had to change my schedule. Now I get up earlier so I can spend time in prayer for my, my daughters. And then when they wake up and, and my wife wakes up, yeah, there's moments where I'm traveling. I'm in Georgia this week. There's moments where it's like, hey, we're just getting Chick-fil-A. We're on the go. We're just surviving. But God wants you to thrive in your family. He wants you to thrive in your marriage. He wants you to not just survive, get to the end of the road, and be like, I guess we're still married, praise God, but he wants you to thrive. But the one thing that the Lord has shown me is the only way my family can be my second love is if he stays my first love. Because when Lienza is not prioritized as she should be, as my kids should not be prioritized as they should be, it's not actually because of the work, it's actually because I didn't prioritize Jesus. Are you with me? He wants in this season, I felt this as I was preparing this sermon series, 
He wants a marriage that's, that's on the rocks, about to just implode. Maybe there's been unfaithfulness. Maybe there's been, God wants this to be a time of healing, a time where you just say, we're going to pause on all the extra plans, all the extra birthday parties for a second. We just need to pour into us for a second. You know the holidays are about to speed up. It's going to be the busiest time of your year, most likely, coming up. What are you going to do in your family to prioritize this next month or two? Let's keep moving forward. Number two is time. Matthew 13, 5 through 6. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. That's interesting. It sprang up, somebody say quickly. Now somebody say shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. I put it in my notes this way. And if you're taking notes, write this. A quick blow up leads to a quick blow up. Just think about that for a second. When we started this church, you know what we didn't want? A quick blow up. Because oftentimes a quick takeoff leads to a quick downfall. We got into this for longevity. We got into this for 10 years from now, 15 years from now, 20 years from now to say, we didn't try to go the path of talent and all those extra things that would speed up what God wanted to slow down, but we wanted to take the path of, somebody say, anointing. See, anointing will take you longer, but it will be the only thing that can sustain you. You want the promotion? You want that next position? You want to climb to the next place where God wants to take you? He's going to take the long way because he wants your character to be ready. So that when you get that platform, when you get that position, your character is intact and it will stay stable by the anointing of the Lord. Are you with me this morning? I'm talking to some leader in the room. It takes a long time is what Jesus is saying. We don't want a quick blow up. Yeah, you see in Acts, okay, in Pentecost, yes, they go from 120 to 3,000 in one day. That's, that's miraculous. May that be our story when we go to the YMCA. I have no idea. But you know what I want more than anything? I want our church to be ready to shepherd the people he brings to us. Don't let a quick blow up lead to a quick blow up. You know, another way I put it in my notes one time when I was spending time with the Lord is, don't blow up your ministry to blow up your marriage. Don't blow up your job to just blow up your family. Because guess what? When you're on your deathbed, you want to know really who's going to be there for you? And you know what you'll stand accountable before God for first, then your career, your family. When I stand before the Lord one day, I am not going to first answer for one church. I will answer, Andy, what did you do with your relationship with Lienza? What did you do with your relationship with Alian and Amanor? Can I tell you, the fear of God fills me when I think about that. Because they are not a distraction to my purpose. They are my purpose. Let me give you another phrase if you're taking notes. Can I tell you, when Jesus is illustrating this parable to speak to our modern day language, we need to be faithful over famous. Longevity over limelight. Look at what the, the scripture in James 5, 7 says. Be what? Somebody say patient. Not microwavable Christianity. Be patient. Then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for autumn and spring rains. I remember this story when I was a middle school pastor at Trinity Church, and I was fired up. I wanted to help kids come to know Jesus, and we baptized so many students, and I was a college pastor at Ball State at the time, but I'll, I'll never forget this. I, I've shared this story before. One of my first Sundays going to youth ministry, I was just like, I, I don't even know where to start with some of this. I tried to come in, prayed up, prepared, and I opened up this drawer. You know where I'm going if you've been here for a little bit. And there was like a leftover donut in the drawer in the youth room. Now, to you, that probably just seems like some random story, but to me, that was a sobering, humbling moment. Why? I love this quote from one of my favorite rappers, KB. He says this, mice turn to men when they learn to steward little. Well, Andy, he just gave me a seed. But look at their tree. I mean, look at how far their business is. Look at how far their school is. But if you can't be faithful with the little, he will not entrust you with much. If you can't be faithful when one person shows up to the circle... Come on, the Lord is always challenging me. I'm up here worshiping, and you know that temptation in you and your flesh that wants to see how many people are here, and the Lord always responds, Andy, for the one, for the one. Would you preach just as hard if there was one person here? 
for the one. See, the Lord will test you. He will test you to see if you're in it for the right reasons or not. What is the Lord entrusted to you that looks like just a seed when what if it represents stadiums of people if you would be faithful? Come on. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus says, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But when it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. I love this sermon that I was watching from a preacher from, I think it was the Jesus Image Church down in Orlando. Is that right, Jackson? And he was giving this story. I love it. We're like in a big living room, so we can hear each other from here, right? It's like, he said yes. And he was illustrating this principle that we have to take so much time that the seed, whatever that thing is in your life, maybe it's a business, maybe it's a church plant, maybe it's a school you started, maybe it's, I don't know, launching out as a teacher, a coach, you want to start, I don't know where you're at. But there has to be enough time for that seed to die in the soil. Meaning, it has to come to the point where, would you be okay if it were just you, your relationship with your family, Christ, and your Bible? Let the dream get to the point where it dies. In other words, one of my college roommates told me when I was at Indiana Wesleyan, God has to often shatter your dreams to rebuild it bigger and better than you could ever imagine. Why? So only he could get the glory. What has been entrusted to you that has become an idol where God is calling it to die today? That's what the message of, of Christianity is about. It's, it's to die, to come and die, to be resurrected with a new spirit, with a new body, with a new vision for your future. But the first call is to come and die. Jesus says, come, follow me, pick up your cross, deny yourself. We, we live in a culture right now where authenticity is our trump card. Just make sure you're with me. Well, that's my truth. You do you and I'll do me. You know what the world doesn't need is, is, is you being a carbon copy of someone else. They need your authentic anointing. Here's what real Christian authenticity is. You ready? Die to self. And the most pure most incredible God-spirit-filled person will now be operating. That's the Holy Spirit through you. Death to self is authentic, authenticity in Christ. That's not a popular message. But can I tell you, that's when you'll experience abundant life. Baptism is a call to come and die. Now, in our American culture, that sounds like, wait, wait, I, I don't know, Andy, but can I tell you, in other places where people are being persecuted, that means literally come and die. Because if they know that you got baptized, your family and you, your life will be on the line. I know to us in America that sounds like, whoa, 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 wait, but that was the early church. Like if you got baptized, you were signing up to die. And my question for you is, if we're not willing to die for him, are we really living for him? This is, this is a call to come and, and, and die, but the good news is it's not just a call to die, oh, we're going to go into this crazy bummer to bummer. No, we die to be resurrected by the spirit of the Lord so you can walk in greater glory and greater victory and greater anointing. But you can't walk around saying, well, I'm just being me. I'm just doing me. Don't let authenticity be an excuse for immaturity. No, no, no. We, we, we come to Jesus just as we are. But when we meet Jesus, we don't stay where we are. Come as you are. Anyone can come into this building, watch online, come as you are, but I promise you, if you really meet Jesus, you won't stay where you are. The seed has to die to thrive. What in your life needs to die? Is it an idol? Is it, is it this white knuckle grip on your finances? Is it, I have to get that promotion to be happy? What has to die so that Jesus can be Lord? Number three is this, somebody say abide. John 14, 15, 4 through 5, Jesus says, remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. and You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do 
nothing. And I want to illustrate this, that there's a big difference between being busy and bearing fruit. You can be doing a lot of things and not be doing anything at all. Paul tells us to the church of Thessalonica in the New Testament, he says, don't be busy bodies, be busy for the kingdom. If there were anything that would be an idol getting in the way of our intimacy with Jesus in our culture, in suburbia, you know what it is? It's busyness. We just don't have the margin. We've got too many sports games, too many things on the calendar, too many things. And I'm not shaming those things. I played youth sports in this city, okay? WYSI, shout out, come on. But you know what busy can stand for? Right here, another acronym, being under Satan's yoke. Are you busy this morning or are you bearing fruit for the kingdom? I remember the Lord when I was praying about us going into the YMCA just over a year from now. They're hopefully going to break ground on this soon. And one of the things that the Lord was telling me is, you know, we're going to have about, as things go as we think they will, as the Lord is laying it out, about three years in this building before we move into the YMCA. I was thinking about this principle of three years, how Jesus spent three years with his disciples. There's all these patterns of three years. You know, there's, there's parts in scripture where the patterns speak to something deep, deeper. And this is the, what the Lord told me as we get ready to move our church just over a year from now. It's this, go deep before you go wide. Maybe that's a word for you this morning. I know you want to spread yourself so thin, and I know you want to be at every game and, and, and launch that thing and be at that place and do all these things. But what if the Lord was calling you this morning to consolidate and say, I'm going to do a few things with excellence in this season. But you got to be ready. When you start to, to point out some boundaries in your life, people don't like that. So be ready to die to the fear of man. Are you with me this morning? We say, no, no, no. In this season, I'm not being mean. I'm not being controlling, but in this season, there's a few things. You have to get really focused. You've, you've got to journal that as a family. You've got to sit down with your spouse, maybe your kids, and say, hey, in this season, these are the things we're about. You have to discern a good thing from a God thing. There are so many good things on our calendar that are not bearing fruit, but if it's a God thing, can I tell you, there's a chance for fruit. But the Lord is gracious, okay? The, I mean, hey, for me as a pastor, I want to do it all sometimes, traveling to 12 stone, I'm writing my sermon on the plane, I'm, I'm writing a spoken word here, and I'm responding to people, and sometimes the Lord's like, Andy, you're not doing anything right now, you're just doing everything, okay? So I'm telling you out of experience, the Lord is constantly calling me back. Here's an image I want to show with you on the screen. Now, at first, it looks like, I don't, I don't, what are you trying to say here, Andy? Can I tell you, I think this represents our church right now. We're just beginning to sprout. But we can't see, let's go back to that picture. We can't see what's underneath the surface. Come on, we can't see in our natural the depth of how far deep Jesus is taking some people in this season. Come on, decisions that are being made to tithe, decisions that are being made to save a marriage, decisions that are being made to say, I'm going to prioritize the secret place. When I say the secret place, I just mean time in the word and prayer. There are chapters and seasons where the Lord is going to take you deep before he's going to take you wide. He's going to hide you so that your character is ready for the platform he has for you. He did this with Elijah. Elijah was ready in the Old Testament to take it on on Mount Carmel. He wanted to step into his anointing and for three years, three years, God said, go take care of this widow and one other person. And let's see if you can be faithful with that first. Because if you can't be faithful with two people, you're not going to be ready to be faithful with 2,000 people. Are you with me this morning? So let this be a season where you go deep. You go deep into the scriptures. You go deep and you really ask yourself those hard questions. Am I really willing to live for Jesus no matter the cost? Can I tell you, you got to be ready for that in this country. I know we think, oh, it, and it's all good. The Lord is starting to prepare us for some things, Okay. And I'm not a doom and gloom preacher. I'm not like tomorrow, we're all gonna have persecution. I'm just saying, we gotta be ready for people to start to give more pushback than we have ever seen. Are you ready? There will be a remnant in, in the Congress, there will be a remnant in the body of Christ in America. And right now the Lord is weeding people out. 
Can I tell you, I know a lot of people have come and gone in and through this church. I would love to keep them all, but you know what I want more than anything? I want people who are in it for the right reasons. Because we can do a lot more with 120 who are sold out than 300 who are kind of like, eh. That's the early church. 120. Give us 120 people who are sold out. No matter the cost, no matter what it takes, no matter what's going to happen, I'm sold out. 120 can change the world. 120 can turn into 3,000 in one day. Are you with me? Do you believe that? The Lord is taking us deep before he shoots us through the roof. I believe that. We're just beginning to sprout. I want to skip all the way to number four, and I'll invite the worship team to, to come up, and we'll be done in a second. Number four is this, to yield. I want to show this picture for a second lighthearted moment of uh, this roundabout. Anyone, anyone just like, I hate roundabouts, unashamed, okay? Are you from here? I don't know. We'll ask that question later, okay. Number two, who's like, man, I'm so thankful. God bless roundabouts. Praise be to God. I don't have to say, okay. Now first, this is just a picture, but to me, the Lord illustrated to me in my time with him a modern day parable about a roundabout. Here's the two things you have to do at a roundabout. You ready? You have to slow down, number one, and you have to stay in the flow. What is at every roundabout? Let's go back to that picture. What is at every roundabout? What is that sign? Yield. Let's go to this next picture. We have to be faithful to yield, to slow down before we yield fruit. You're not going to yield fruit in this season unless you slow down. I know you want to keep going a million miles an hour. I know you don't want to cancel anything on the calendar because someone might be upset with you. Maybe the Lord's trying to break the fear of man in your life. But we have to yield to yield. You with me this morning? Turn to your neighbor, tell him you have to yield to yield. Couples who pray together stay together. Are you spending regular time praying with your spouse? You have to yield to do that. You have to turn off the Netflix and say, God's not like mad at us for doing this, but I want to prioritize our marriage right now. You know what's so interesting? You know, Leanne and I have already only been married for just a few years, and I've already noticed how easy it is to not even just look at your spouse in the eyes, to take time. They're talking. Okay, I'm on my phone. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with, and, and she's so good. Did you actually hear what I said? Um, oh, I see her back there. But you have to, somebody say, yield to yield. Come, come on, the Lord wants you to be fruitful in this season, not just busy. What are you going to do about it? Matthew 13, 8 through 9, still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And this is the devil's lie, the knockout punch that he's always going to want to give to you when it comes to this principle. The grass is always greener on the other side. If I just bail on this church and go to that church, I mean, the grass is always greener. And, and hear me clearly, the Lord launched us out of our last church. There are times and moments and days we have to say, hey, God's moving us on. That's in the early church. They go this way, they go that way. We have to just bless that. We have to honor that. But I wonder in this season, if the Lord is knocking on the door of someone's heart to say, stay in the marriage. Stay at that job. I know you're ready for something different, but what if he wants to do something in you more than just around you right now? What if you're still working for the same boss because he's teaching you humility? He's teaching you, no, 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 your boss isn't throwing spears at you yet. You're not David to Saul yet. You can be faithful and serve and show by example what a leader looks like. If you can't be a follower, you can't be a leader. Maybe I'm talking to someone. You want all the authority. You want all the power. Lead by example in this season. Maybe you need to stay in your relationship with Jesus. And you're like, eh, I said the sinner's prayer, but it's just kind of like, you need to know. The devil is the one that wants you to leave the faith. It's not just by chance. It's not just because you had a bad experience at church. The devil is out for your soul to just go, eh. 
Stay in your relationship with Jesus. Stay in your marriage. This is the prophetic word God gave me to stay, to stick it out, to get deep, to get dirty, to go to the place where it's like, Lord, I'm in this at all costs. The grass is always greener on the other side. Ruth 1.16, let this be our prayer. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. I will follow you. Would you bow your head with me this morning? Father, we love you. We worship you. And I'm so thankful for the fact that you give us a second chance. And I know you're asking people this morning to yield, to stay, to pause, to yield. And this response for the believers right now, just for a moment, if there's anyone that says, you know, there are some good things in my life, but they are not God things. And Lord, give me the wisdom and discernment this season to make this Christmas season yield fruit. If, if that's you this morning, you're just saying, I have something I just need to give to the Lord. Andy, would you just raise your hand right now? This is a sign to say, Andy, I just need to give this. Father, I just pray for the believers right now that, that are just saying, man, I am too busy right now. I have so many things going on. Lord, would you give them the strength, the wisdom, and the discernment to prioritize the right things in this season, to get serious, to go deep about the, the God things in their life, Lord, and let the, the guilt, shame, and condemnation fall off in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to uh, share this story with you before we go into baptisms, and it's this story of a basketball game that may not mean much to you at first glance, but I love it because it illustrates this principle. I think it was 2012-2013. Miami Heat are playing the San Antonio Spurs. And I think at this time, the Spurs are up and, and, and fans start leaving the game. They just start leaving. They're like, do you know how much NBA Finals tickets probably cost and they're leaving the game? That's another conversation, okay? But it's like third, fourth quarter. They just start leaving. You see them walking out of the stadium and then the Heat start to come back. And they start to come back, and then Ray Allen hits the corner three, if you know what I'm talking about. It's okay if you don't. But I want to encourage someone that maybe has said, I have already left the game. And the Lord is telling you, you need to stay long enough to see the harvest. You've been planting, you've been watering. You've been planting, you've been watering. You've been working at that job. No one's giving you a high five. It's okay, you've been planting, you've been watering. At the very end of the road, right before the breakthrough, that's when the enemy's gonna tell you to turn around. Right before the breakthrough in your marriage, come on. Right in the breakthrough of your job, right in the breakthrough financially, the enemy is going to tell you, turn around, it's too late, you've come too far. Can I tell you, you've come too far to turn around. You're in too deep to turn around in your marriage. You're in too deep with Jesus to give up, to throw the towel. Can I tell you, harvest is on the way. Turn to your neighbor, just tell them, harvest is on the way. And this morning, this is a day of harvest. Where we as a church say, it's because we persevered through the days where it was tough, or it was confusing, or it was difficult. These are the moments where we say, this is why we got into this. It's for life change. Can we praise the Lord for the two people getting baptized today? Come on. And I'm going to ask someone, Kevin, do me a favor. Could you flip those lights on? There's the dimmers back there. We are in a big living room, so we could just go for that. Okay, I want to make sure you all can see everyone. We've got Lily Parlos in the house one time. Where is she? Let's have her come up here. Come on up. And I'm going to bring her dad up here. Come on. Come on. And we've got this like tower of a baptism, so we're gonna go over here. She said, my son, what are those? Oh, okay. I was trying to speak Gen Z to you. Okay, what are those? Is it bad, is it good? Okay, we've got two people getting baptized today. This is Lily. Carlos, and uh, I'm going to have actually her read her testimony. I'll put the mic out in front of you. Don't touch the mic. I told you, okay? Okay. Um, last year on September 20th, I was asked the question, where do you think you will be one year from now, and what are your goals? 
I recorded my answer and it was to start hair school, get closer to God, and to make at least one good friend during the school year. Sorry, this is cool. Um, September 20th of this year, I went back and watched the video. I started hair school in January and I made at least one good friend and I became much closer to God. I've never prayed as much as I do now this past year. I would say God has answered almost all of my prayers. My family and I started coming to one church. The church grew on me. It was nothing like I've experienced before. The way the church and God has moved in my mom and dad's life has been so great to witness and realize how much the church impacted our family's life. Andy's messages made me want to get even more closer to God and become a woman of God that the Lord has created in the Bible. His messages inspired me to change my lifestyle more, to change my lifestyle and tweak a few things in my day slash life just to get more time with the Lord and the Holy Spirit. I'm the closest I've ever been with God and I'm ready to give it all to him and for him to move in my life. There's power in prayer and power in the name of Jesus. Come on, give it up for her one time. Come on, that's amazing. I'd love to say a quick prayer for Lily. Would you stretch out your, your arms? We're old school here. Lord, we thank you for Lily in the name of Jesus. Father, I think about the baptism of Jesus where it says the heavens opened up and the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. And the Father said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We know, Lord, this is your daughter whom you love and whom you are well pleased with. Father, I thank you that her identity is solidified in Christ. Her life is hidden with you, Lord. You have an anointing and a call in her life. God, I thank you for the hairstylist ministry you even called her to and other places and things that you're gonna open up doors for. God, I thank you that it's no coincidence she's at this church. Lord, I thank you that you have gifted her, God, in the area of evangelism, that she will be able to share her faith with people who are far from you but close to her. Father, I thank you for a harvest of souls that will come to know you through her obedience and her ministry, Father. Lord, you've set her apart. We pray that you protect her from the evil one and keep her on the narrow path all of her days. It's in Jesus' name everyone said, amen and amen. We are gonna baptize her now. I'm so pumped. Karina, one time in the house. I don't know where she. Oh, she's right here. It's all about the socks. Okay. Hey, I've never seen someone get baptized in socks, but let's let it be the first. I don't know. Listen. Karina, so pumped. She's getting baptized. This is Christian's daughter right here. And a shout out to the Parlos family and the Bayoso family coming here and making a huge impact at one church. She's got a testimony to read as well. I was Catholic growing up and I always knew, sorry, and I always knew Jesus. Christian church called Ari Vision. It was 
We went later that evening and I remember going to a prayer group at the end of the service during worship. My family wanted to pray with someone, so this lady prayed over me. I don't remember much what she said, but I do remember her saying, I prayed that she wouldn't be embarrassed to know Jesus, but that she would say, yes, I do know him. And that stuck with me every time I remember that time. That was the first time I experienced being in a Christian church. I would see how involved my parents got with the church and that they tried to get me and my sisters involved, but I never found a desire to do so. I felt bad for not wanting to learn more about God, but now I realize I just wasn't ready. Through my freshman and sophomore years, I went to Christian private schools and I would learn about God and Jesus, but I still wouldn't pursue a relationship. I just took it as something to learn about and that was it. It wasn't until this past July when I really started to question my walk with Christ. I feel like I've always had anxiety growing up, but I never really noticed it until the summer. I was battling a war in my mind, struggling with anxiety to the point where I didn't want to get out of bed. I would take melatonin to try to sleep faster because I was, my thoughts would shut off. From the, from the moment I woke up, I immediately felt immense anxiety and worry to the moment I fell asleep. mentally drained from the enemy's lies that were planted in my mind. He was lying to me about who I was and I believed him. It was to the point where I didn't know what to do. I just kept praying for God to ease the pain, but it seemed like he wasn't doing anything. I've always read or heard about how when you feel like God's the person, that's when he's the closest to you. I tried to believe it, but it was hard too. I eventually told my parents what I was dealing with and found a therapist to help me cope with my anxiety and my OCD. I still go there today and it's been a really big blessing. As I was going through this, I thought living in sin wasn't that big of a deal. I thought, well, I'll just be a teenager and then live a godly life when I'm older. I then realized that I shouldn't be like that. It was hard for me to see people my age party and do other things while I had this conscience over me telling what was right and what was wrong. In a way, it's a blessing in disguise, but it's still hard for me to acknowledge that. It was so hard for me to get involved with God because I simply had no interest to. Again, I felt guilty because I felt that I was disrespecting God by not wanting to go to church when I didn't feel like it or not wanting to read my Bible. I felt trapped because I was scared I was always gonna feel this way. In this past year, I've experienced emotional and mental pain, and it added on to my stress that I also had from everything going on with my life. I was so tired, I had nowhere else to go. My therapist had told me to buy a journal because it would help me write down my thoughts. I didn't really believe her because why would I write down what I'm already thinking in my head? It was kept in my nightstand for a couple months, but one night I took it out and started reading whatever came to mind. That then led me to open my Bible. I started to read passages here and there, and I felt peace. I like to think that going through all of this hurt and pain was God's way of leading me to him, because if it wasn't for the rough passion I went through with my anxiety, I would have never relied on him and his grace. My parents were always telling me, the church is doing baptisms, you know, but again, I had no desire to do so because I simply wasn't ready. The more they kept asking me about it, the more I didn't want to because I wanted to decide on my own when it was time. To me, baptism meant that once you were saved, you can't make any more mistakes. I thought that if I was baptized and then I sinned, I was done. It was too much of a commitment for me, and I was scared to mess up and lose the only chance I had of going to heaven. That's what was going through my head when I thought about being baptized. After knowing that that's not what baptized is being about, I felt a sense of relief. But since journaling and reading the Bible, I felt an urge to get baptized, and I feel like that was God's tell God telling me that it was time. Even though I've only been doing this a short amount of time, I think this is a step toward my walk of Christ. Going back to what the lady who prayed over me the night of my accident, it's true that I am not embarrassed of Jesus. That's good. And that I'm ready to embrace his love that he wants to give to me. I don't want to follow the crowd of doing what's cool by living in sin, but I want to live the way I was called to live, as is Jesus. Come on. Give it up for her one time. That's amazing. Your shirt, your shirt says unashamed of the power of God. And I don't think that's a coincidence that the Lord is is solidifying your decisions that I'm unashamed, you know? And the cool part is the Lord has an army of people around you. You don't have to do this alone. Even if friends think you're crazy and if they think you drink the Jesus juice or whatever, we're here for you and, and you are unashamed. So let's pray for her. God, we thank you for Karina in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that it says in Philippians 1, Paul says that in no way should I be ashamed, but I'll have sufficient courage. Even if I have to suffer for the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you that it's the power of the Holy Spirit that is radiating in her heart and it's now upon her, Lord, we believe, to empower her for ministry, to empower her for good works, to empower her to see the lost found and those who are far from you come near. 
Father, we thank you that her identity is in Christ. She is hidden with you. Lord, would you keep her on the narrow path all the days of her life with joy. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. And I want to encourage you during this last song of worship, if you feel led to get baptized, we're going to take this song of worship while we're all worshiping together. If you want to make that decision today, we've got clothes for you. We've got towel for you. Come find me up front while we're worshiping. First, go out to Jennifer in the lobby, get your clothes, and then come find us, and we'll baptize you today. Let's worship together. Let's stand.